Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bladed Apples, a horror podcast. Dropping your trick or treat bag every week. Yeah, the, so far, yeah, so far, every week. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> We're coming back at you. <laughs> We're back on track. We usually are good for two or three weeks. <laughs> then something will change <laughs> before life happens and we just don't do it anymore. Uh, I'm Rocky. I'm Blaze. And this week we are doing a year in review of 2002. Uh, some of our favorite a little things. late. What, yeah, a little late, but you know, well, the last episode was about a week late and this pushed it a little bit, but we still want to go back and kind of highlight the things that we really love from 2002 and, you know, horror and, and other things. Uh, we'll be talking about our favorite horror films. Uh, we'll be talking. I think we should have some honorable mentions too. Oh yeah, for sure. Because 2002 was just a really, really good year for, uh, yeah. for horror. Um, until near the end of the year, I was watching like mostly all the new releases were all like genre films. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, there's a lot to talk about there, but I also have a top 10 list of non-horror films. I want to slip one in there. I saw my favorite horror movie of the year in there. Um, but, uh, I try to keep the rest of the list, not horror. So we'll go through there, talk about that stuff as well. You didn't put the top 10 in the schedule. I didn't plan for that. Yeah, but I didn't know if you had a top 10 of uh, regular movies or not. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of new movies that came out last year. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we got a whole lot of news to go through. <laughs> Sure fucking do. Well, there is a boatload of news that happened along with a couple of new movie reviews. Um, Let me pull up this list here of stuff we got to talk about because it's uh, it's thick. Thick. (laughs) T-H-I-C-C. All right. So where should we start? (laughs) How about the sad news? Which one? There's, there's a couple. All the sad news first. Okay. And then we'll like we'll bring you down and we'll pump you up. <laughs> okay, so uh Pierce Haggard passed away. Yeah. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know Pierce Haggard, he directed Blood on Satan's Claw, which is a personal favorite of Man Blazes. Yeah, it is one of the best folk horrors. It it's so whenever you talk about folk horror as a genre, which Recently, in recent years, has had kind of a resurgence of popularity with Midsommar and The Witch. Oh, um, yeah. But as far as the subgenre of folk horror goes, there's definitely a trinity. <laughs> and everybody knows what the holy trinity is. That Blood on Satan's Claw, the original Wicker Man, and uh, Witchfinder General. Also known as Conqueror Warm. Uh, but... Uh, Paris Hacker directed Bless Anne's Claw, which is underrated. Um, if you've never seen it, it's awesome. It. Sometimes it pops up on Shutter. I don't think it's on there right now, but they usually put it on there. I think it's on Tubi. It's on Tubi right now? I, I think so. I finally got a Blu-ray copy of it through uh, Severin. When did they first put it out? I missed the release. But, I'm uh, trying they, to get tape. Yeah, I want good luck with that. Yeah, I know. It's not... Yeah, it's, Probably not happening. <laughs> yeah. Then they put out, they re-released the Blu-ray for Black Friday this uh, past year. So I was able to nab one. They're like, hey, we're going to have a limited number of these available. So I finally got it. 
But yeah, if you guys haven't seen Bloodstains Claw, check it out. But very sad, he passed away. But in weirder sad news, um, Julian Sands is missing. Yeah, he went missing in the mountains after a hike. And if you don't know Julian Sands, you'd if you listen to our show, you're probably best known from the Warlock series. Yeah, Warlock series. We talked about a movie with him in it, though, didn't we? I'm sure we did. Was there some movie that he popped up in that we talked about? Or No, he was in... Um, was he in Gothic? But we didn't talk about that on the show. Hold on. Let me see. Oh, yeah. I think he... No, we did talk about Gothic. No, we didn't. No, we didn't talk about it. We, we mentioned that we watched it, but he plays Percy Shelley in, in Gothic. But yeah, he's mostly known for the Warlock series of films arachnophobia um what else he's been so much uh um uh naked lunch cronenberg he was in that i think he was in a couple cronenberg films but you know he's just one of these guys that's around a lot um let's see yeah i guess we didn't talk about a movie starring him i thought we did so weird uh and of course most recently uh he was in glenn danzig's um (laughs) Spaghetti Western, his vampires. What the fuck is it called? Death Rider. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if that ever gets released, dude, it had a premiere <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, and, and that's when people laughed at places I wouldn't laugh. He said that about Veronica. He didn't even say that about. Oh, that was Veronica. Yeah. That's right. He said that the the premiere of Veronica, but I want release Death Rider. You coward. <laughs> We all know it's bad. Just just release it. I hear it's a little bit better than Veronica, but I hear it's pretty awful. But Julian Sands is in that, I think, as the bad guy. But anyways, Julian Sands is what missing. Uh, you know the details about the story? Uh, he went hiking in the mountains, I believe, in California. And uh, let me double check that. But he, he went missing, and they've sent people out looking for him and uh, have had no luck so far. Let me. There is a, a 13 hours ago, they said there was a helicopter search underway. Uh, he went missing hiking near Mount Baldy. <laughs> Baldy. So, yeah. Two days ago now. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. I hope they find him. Um, I do too. You say he's missing, been missing for two days. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope they find Julian Stans. He's definitely, you know, uh, one of those character actors that pops up a lot. And I, I'm always happy to see him. And suck if uh, something bad happened to him. But yeah, that's all sad news. Um, do we have any other sad news to talk about? Yeah, my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about that. That's all right. (laughs) That's the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let me see. So uh, a trailer we didn't talk about last week. A couple of trailers that came out. We did talk about Bo is Afraid last week. Yeah, we did not. Uh, Bo is Afraid, the new film from Ari Aster, the third movie from him. Uh, Director of Hereditary Midsommar. What did you think about the trailer for Bo is Afraid? Pretty, did, uh, it's different. Um, I, I'm i hoping it doesn't go down that road of like, okay, this is so pretentious, I can't enjoy it. 
But Ari Aster has had a good a, a good run of not doing that. Yeah, I'll say he's not a very pretentious filmmaker as far as I don't know. Guy. That one I, the only it's my only fear is because I know there's like a a huge thing in elevated horror as of late and I think it's a real shot in the dark whether they're good or not. Right. Well, it's also uh, I was just listening to an interview with Ari Aster um from a couple of years back, it's one of it was on history of horror, but I was listening to the full interview on the podcast version. But he's talking about like he not doesn't consider his movies elevated horror. He doesn't even like the term elevated horror. He's like horror. Some horror movies have always just had more of a social social message or more experimental side to it. He's like, I think the whole term of elevated horror and this whole wave of elevated horror is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he's right. So I I don't know. I think it looks weird. I think it looks like misery meets. Um, the Wizard of Oz or some shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it does have a very Wizard of Oz feeling to it. I thought that as well. Yeah. I was thinking it was like, a, I'm like, is this the horror version of Big Fish? <laughs> yeah, it looks kind of like Big Fish also. Also, Nathan Lane is in it. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, I like Nathan Lane. No, I love Nathan Lane also. It's just weird that he's in the movie. Just... What, what do you have against Nathan Lane? Absolutely nothing. I love What did Nathan Lane do to you? Listen, listen. The Birdcage is one of the funniest movies ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I, even though I'm not a fan of Mel Brooks remakes, I thought he was great in the producers remake. Is that the only remake that Mel Brooks did? And that was a remake of his own movie. I don't think he directed it though. Oh, he just produced the remake. Right? Did he? I thought he directed it also. I don't know. Let me look it up. I don't, I don't care that much. <laughs> I'm looking it up anyways. Uh, yeah, it has kind of like a misery. I don't even know really the story. It seems so – it, here's the thing. And I've said it before and I'll say it again and I will stand by it. And also listen to this interview. I finally found out for a fact that he did it on purpose. Hereditary is the best marketed horror film of the last decade. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. They totally trick you. Yeah, like, you think it's going to be a, a, you know, possessed child. A little girl. creepy girl thing. Yeah, and it is, totally goes in another direction. I mean, and he purposefully did that in marketing. He's like, no, I told them, like, the marketing, I don't want anybody to know what this movie's like, actually about. I wanted, like, surprise audiences. And he talked about, like, a screening, how shocked people were whenever that turn happens. Um, But, yeah, it's... uh. With this trailer, it, it gives you some, but it's still like nothing makes sense in the trailer. But visually, it looks very interesting. It looks like he's taking huge swings. And also his movies, I think Ari Aster, Ari Aster has a real problem with moms. Yeah. Because <laughs> this seems like another another movie that has uh, definitely a, a strange relationship with the main character's mother. We see that at the beginning <laughs> of the trailer. So let me see here. Yeah, he wrote the he he only uh, produced and wrote the screenplay for the remake of the producer. Who, uh, okay, I thought I don't so. even know who directed it. Um, the, the last movie he directed was Dracula Dead and Loving It. That's a fucking great one. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. <laughs> Another one I really liked that everyone shit on was Repossessed. I was about to say it's a Repossessed. I was about, I was yeah. about to say you know uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It would make a great double feature with Repossessed. <laughs> That's yeah, it would. Re 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 repossessed. <laughs> um, I think repossessed is fine. I think it's funny enough. You know, maybe we should we should do a double feature of horror comedies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've done a whole lot of horror comedies. We just make horror comedy. 
<laughs> yeah. so that's what we do. We make the horror comedy. It's like, is this your serious film? Oh, we're going to make fun of it. <laughs> All right. What's next on the agenda? Uh, let's see. Uh, Eli Roth is releasing a VR game just in time for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad I don't have VR. <laughs> uh, does it say what it's compatible with? Like what it needs? Is it the Quest? Or- uh, let's see. It's called Be Mine, a VR Valentine slasher. And the, the the Mask of the Killer, it looks just like that that slasher from the early 2000s. Uh, wasn't it just called Valentine? Yeah. The one with uh, Denise Richardson and David Boreal. I think that one was just called Valentine. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Eli Roth's Be Mine, a VR Valentine slasher, will premiere in Meta Horizon Worlds at 7 p.m. on February 10th. Um, so I guess that connects into Facebook, right? Isn't that their whole thing? Yeah. Um, it's written by Roth and directed by Adam McDonald, produced by Crypt TV and Roth in association with Cream Productions and starring Peyton Liss from Cobra Kai, Inanna Sarkis from After We Collided, and Elena Ubach from Euphoria. It's a 30-minute, 180- and 360-degree immersive VR experience. Follows Becca, a girl who's stalked by an anonymous maniac in a Cupid mask as she finds herself at the center of a frightening Valentine's Day nightmare. Um, I don't know. So I guess that means that it's compatible if you can get meta on whatever. I don't know. I don't know how fucking meta works. All I've heard is that people that have been forced to work in meta, like go into the VR world to do their job, have fucking hated it. (laughs) They say it's awful, so... I think VR, if it does become a thing, is going to be just as bad as Ready Player One, and we all know how shitty that was. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Spielberg, why? Why'd you do that? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's cool. I, we we talked about last week. We talked about Eli Roth, and it seems like he's always trying something new. I think it's cool that he's trying to do a VR game, trying to do a different horror project, always trying to find new ways of storytelling. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Let's see. Um, so Kevin Williamson, well, actually I'm going to, uh, no, that this is good. That's a good place to put it. Kevin Williamson, uh, writer of the Scream franchise, uh, creator of the Scream franchise, he is joining the Friday the 13th show. Interesting enough. Yeah. Um, we talked about that there's a new uh, Friday the 13th show from uh, Brian Fuller that's supposed to be a prequel to the fr- film franchise. Uh, Brian Fuller, who did Hannibal, is show running it. Now Kevin Williamson is involved as a writer and a producer, I believe as well as Adrian King, who was the final girl in the original film. Oh, okay. She's also going to be in a, in a recurring role. I don't know if she's going to be the same character or if she's going to be a new character, you know, just kind of a placeholder, but she's involved as well. Um, let me see if they have any... Uh, Fuller has pitched four seasons for Crystal Lake, only one officially ordered so far, though he notes Peacock would have to pay a pretty hefty penalty if they didn't order a season two. 
Asked if he can confirm Pamela's role in the Crystal Lake series, Fuller replied, we're honestly going to be covering it all. The series is covering the life and times of these two characters. Presumably, he's referring to Pamela and Jason there. So they're already having a four-season outline. I know that the first season got immediately greenlit by Peacock, so it's already in the bag. Um, I think A24 is going to be producing it. Very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of excited for it. Now that Kevin Williamson is is involved, I mean, why not? Kevin Williamson's kind of having a return to horror, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's really – I'm looking forward to it. I'm, You know, it's one of those things where it's like – you know, I was I was kind of worried when Chucky was coming out, and then it ended up being great. And now I'm like, well, maybe this will be great too. And I think with like something like Friday the 13th, it's a smarter direction. Although they said they're working on a movie as well. Yeah, I, I heard that. Um, that was another piece of news that came out. Is that uh, was it Sean Cunningham? Is that the uh? Is that the creator of uh, yeah. Sean Cunningham? It's last as Cunningham. But he said that he's finally, I guess he finally won the rights. I know we talked about this a little bit before. I don't know if it's done, but he's developing a Friday the 13th reboot as well as a house reboot. I don't like that idea. Well, he, uh, <laughs> I think he produced the original one. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you love, you love your house. <laughs> I do, and it doesn't need to be done again. It was done as well as it could be. The house reboot is both an update and reimagining of the classic series centering around the birth of a haunted house. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, you, you like that shit. Um, he's also doing yeah. called the Night Driver. Um, so, yeah, Sean Cunningham as... Uh, Doing things, but yeah, he's working on a Friday Thirteenth movie as as well. Why not? I mean, Jason has been in limbo for a long time at this point. Might as well. Yeah. Speaking of Kevin Williamson, first of all, another trailer we forgot to talk about. Did you watch the new Scream trailer? I did. What did think. Uh, I think Ghostface with a gun is way scarier. Well, yeah, is people, people are so fucking pissed off about him using a shotgun in that one scene. And then I saw somebody on Twitter. It's like, people are fucking mad about him using a gun. He killed somebody with a garage door. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I'm excited. Of course, whenever the news came out, we covered it about... Neff uh, Campbell not being involved and that's upsetting and that sucks and it seems like they kind of gave her a raw deal and I mean I, you have to uh, know your worth yeah and she does know her worth and that's why she wor- walked away because they, they basically slapped her in the face and I don't blame her you know whenever they try to take advantage of no. her especially with how long you've been with the series I get it um, but I do I, I am excited about the movie I I'm excited that we're getting Ghostface in the big city. <laughs> I like I like that they're changing to New York City. I'm excited to see kind of how they handle that. I'm sure there's going to be a boatload of references to like Friday the 13th, Jason Goes to Manhattan. <laughs> and all those other New yeah. York horror movies that are trying to do like that. 
kicking the shit out of somebody's boombox. Yeah. Also, that that poster they put out, the official poster, where it's Ghostface's an outline, Ghostface's face, but it looks like the subway route map. <laughs> I like the one where it's like him, and there's this tower and another <laughs> tower. <over> here. <laughs> it's like you're mad that Ghostface killed people with a shotgun. You should see Ghostface kill a few thousand people with a plane. <laughs> you should see Ghostface hijack a plane and run it into the World Trade Center. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I needed from the Scream franchise this whole time. <laughs> he's like, what's your favorite scary movie? They're like, Final Destination. They're like, he's like, I got this. <laughs> So what is uh, this ghost face? What is is it that somebody uh, does mom have sex with somebody, or or is it because is it because of uh, some type of meta reason why he's doing everything that he's doing? Oh no, uh, this ghost face built a time machine and destroyed the twin towers. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> that's a, that's a screen movie that we all want. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, think, I think the trailer looks good. I mean, it'll probably be coming up when we're talking about our best of 2022, but I'm sure we're going to be talking about Scream because we both enjoyed it, I, I think. I, I know I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked yeah, it. I thought it was good. And, and there was another January movie that came out. We'll be talking about another January movie that came out this year. Yeah, the next one's coming out in March, mm-hmm. right? January. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they greenlit and shot that thing fast. That the yeah, they really, really did. Fast. Um, but yeah, the trailer looks cool. I like it. Jenna Ortega is becoming quite the scream queen between this and X and and uh, uh, Wednesday, all that shit. So good for her. Um, let's see. Also, speaking of Kevin Williamson, Kevin Williamson put out a return to horror a week ago. Uh, with a new movie that he wrote and produced, a new slasher called Sick. Uh, kind of flew right under the radar until like the week of, of it being released. We we're like, hey, Friday the 13th, we're putting out Kevin Williamson's uh, new a new slasher from Kevin Williamson, who, uh, as mentioned before, hasn't really worked in horror in a long time. I mean, of course, he wrote and produced and created Scream, um, writing three of the original four he did one two and four um three which is the weakest of those four of course he wasn't involved in because of different reasons uh he wrote the faculty and i know what you did last summer as well as creating dawson's creek he is the king of the 90s (laughs) yeah and then years later he created the show vampire diaries which i never watched um not not enough not enough blood and sex like true blood so i just didn't (laughs) Uh, but yeah, this is his first time coming kind of back to horror. It feels like, uh, it's a slasher film for a new generation for the, uh, times of COVID. It takes place, um, what, like right in April, April 3rd of 2020, I think is whenever it's set or something like that. It's like the right where lockdown yeah. starts. And yeah, it's about two girls that go out to a cabin to quarantine, um, and a killer starts stalking them while they're quarantined out this cabin in the middle of nowhere. Uh, what'd you think about it? It's good. Um, 
there are some parts that seem a little silly without to me, spoiling anything yeah. without spoiling anything yeah it's just kind of like like you'll th- sit there and be like there's no way you could have known that or something like that yeah, i mean it's got movie logic sometimes uh for sure i think that um first of all the director i know is kind of like one of these uh direct to DVD kind of directors, but there's a real energy to the shooting. Like there's a lot of, um, basically the movie is very tight. It's only like 80 minutes. It's not long at all. And once things get going, it's basically a cat and mouse kind of film. But I think that there's an energy to the camera work of kind of following characters around getting chased. There's an energy that kind of shows where it has a good flow of action. Um, yeah. At I- first I really didn't like the two main characters, but I actually liked them as the movie was kind of going along. Um, at first I thought they were slightly annoying, but then I was kind of rooting for them by the end. Um, but there is whenever you finally, when it's finally unveiled, what's going on, because like scream, uh, there is a twist. And I think that what the twist is can be very divisive of how you receive Perceive it for it. sure. As well as keeping in mind that Kevin Williamson made scream the screen films, which are a complete satire and deconstruction, not only the slasher genre, but also a satire of, of the 90s and of the time. I don't know if sick can be taken as a real cutting satire. It could also be taken, taken very poorly by certain people that might find it maybe a little. Yeah, used in a yeah. way that may not have been intended. exactly so i took it as a satire when the unveiling is but there's definitely one of these things where it's like um i can see where people may take it the wrong way <laughs> right but yeah no i i enjoyed it i i'm happy this kind of having this return to horror i think that's awesome i know we talked about them also during um one of our first episodes when we talked about the 2018 halloween versus h2o and how he was originally supposed to be more involved with the h2o with uh as as a reboot to that franchise back in what was that 2000 99 2000 whatever it was 98 had to be 98 20 years later uh, uh, yeah uh where he was supposed to be shepherding that and then we talked about it way back on that episode why he wasn't that involved so if you're curious go back and listen to that episode or just look it up on wikipedia i really don't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> just look at him sick is good let's talk about the other great uh in my opinion great january release that came out this year if scream was the surprising horror release that came out in january there's one that came out this year that's another really good january release um and that's megan oh yeah for that's sure megan I was telling you about it last time. What's that? I yeah, mentioned it but I finally saw it since that episode. Um, finally got around to watching, so we can talk about it more without spoilers, of course. That's a fun movie. It's a very fun movie. Um, written by the same people that wrote *Malignant*. This one's more fun. Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking *Malignant*'s fun. <laughs> it's Fuck not. You. It's not fun. <laughs> I do not enjoy Malignant. I do enjoy How do you like the last 30 minutes of Malignant? That shit's awesome. (laughs) 
I just don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, Akila Cooper is the is is uh, lady that wrote it. She wrote *Malignant*. Also wrote *Hellfest*, which I know. You- See, I didn't hate Hellfest. A lot of people shit on it, but I didn't think it was the worst thing I've ever I seen. Like, I thought it was a perfectly capable slasher yeah, for, movie. For sure. Is there anything new in no. it? No. But is it fine to yeah. watch? Yeah. But do you realize who directed who directed um Megan? Shut up. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Gerard Johnstone. I don't. Gerard Johnstone directed a movie I know you're a fan of. A little he's an Australian director, or New Zealand director, rather. Sorry. People get pissed off you say New Zealand. <laughs> Australia said New Zealand. A New Zealand director who directed Housebound. Oh, yeah. really? He's the same yeah. director. I loved yeah, Housebound. Housebound's a fun little independent horror film, a New Zealand horror film that has, it went, whenever I learned that and I watched Megan, I was kind of like, oh, I can con- completely see it has that kind of, whenever things start getting crazy in Housebound, it gets really fun. Like it has a lot of buildup and so does Megan. There's a lot of buildup before things start getting like pretty wacky. Um, but there is this level of fun and energy that's in both projects. So I think that's awesome. Cause yeah, I, I watched housebound last year for the first time whenever it was showing on the last drive in. And I thought it was really good. Um, but yeah, same director, Gerard Johnstone. That was the first time you watched it. Yeah. Oh, really? And that's great. Yeah, really fun. But yeah, Megan is good, man. I I think that, um, speaking of satires, I think it's a great satire of, you know, nowadays with with our reliance on technology, how we sometimes go and rely on technology to raise the kids instead of having that that, that human connection with people, (laughs) you know, Uh, that we become too reliant. That's also why I found ironic in my screening that uh, a whole bunch of people are on their fucking phones. (laughs) Yeah, I did find it funny that um, I feel like they kind of did this. They kind of did an homage to the uh, the scene where Chucky first reveals himself in Child's Play mm-hmm. to the mom, like where it's like you fucking yeah. bitch, <laughs> I'll you to fuck with me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I thought they kind of did that at the end there, which was really yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole thing is fun. I, I think I, that Megan is uh, already like one of those characters that can just be iconic, you know, in, in the horror. Yeah. And, you know, uh, something I will definitely say that helped me is I didn't go in expecting something brand new. Like I knew what I was going mm-hmm. in for. I'm like, this is a fucking like crazy killer doll like yeah we have tons of killer doll movies but if you if you're okay with that and you go in and watch it you'll have a great time if you're gonna be like oh it's no different than like this or this or this and i'm like then well then go, go watch it <laughs> like if you, if yeah, you absolutely. want absolutely I, I think it i think it uh definitely sets itself apart as becoming something that's that's totally its own and sure you can say this child's play for a new generation because in some ways it is or a devil doll or other you know, yeah, thousand killer <laughs> toy films that have come out. 
dolls, evil yeah. tunes. Yeah, any any of them. <laughs> evil tunes, sure. <laughs> it's uh, uh, it, but it does have something on its mind. It does have a, a sharp wit to a satire. Also, it does a lot with this PG thirteen rating. Um, you know, it's it's not gory because of the PG thirteen rain, but it gets away with a good amount. I don't of know, stuff. They, got some, they got some good stuff in there. Like I, there was a couple kills in there I was impressed by, and I was yeah, like, yeah, damn, part like, where, did uh, not somebody gets shot with a nail gun and goes through their hand. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, that's wow, you yeah, got away with that. There's another part where somebody gets um, killed after falling down a hill. And that's why I'll say I won't say how they die, but they get a lot away with a good little amount of blood. Um, yeah, that happened. I mean, it's just a yeah. fun movie. It's um, a fun it movie. is. And also, uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about the news that Blumhouse and Atomic Monster are looking to combine forces, which is, of course, Blumhouse, Jason Blum's company, and James Wan's company. This is a collaboration between them. So, right. I mean, if we're going to begin things like this and stuff like that, if we already talked about, hey, that's a good business well, idea yeah. to make them a horror powerhouse, like have it all in one place, why not? <laughs> you know? Uh, so, I mean, if that's the preview, and, and, and I know they're doing The Nun 2, which is going to be written by the same, the same lady. Um, I didn't like the first one. I don't know if she wrote the first one. Let me see. I did she didn't write the first, the first one. Um, but she, she's writing the second one. So it could be it could be better if she brings any kind of the energy that she brought to Megan or Malignant. Yeah. Megan. Malignant. <laughs> you were the nun the whole time. <laughs> The nun takes off her. She takes off of her. her, her um, what's it called? Her, the, the head part of. Um, oh fuck! What shawl. is that? Oh man, that's gonna drive me crazy. It's not a shawl. No, there's a special. Yeah, name but the headdress from your the nun's um, uniform, and then there's there's a head. <laughs> there's a face on the back of her head. <laughs> that that that's also a killer doll. <laughs> so. Wow, man, like immediately searching for nuns headpiece, I just get a bunch of like pornographic looking nuns. <laughs> They're like, hey, you want to be a slutty nun for cri- Halloween for Christmas? <laughs> you want to be a slutty nun for Christmas? <laughs> it works. Uh, habit. Habit. Yeah. It's a habit. She takes her, takes her habit off that nun does, and she has a, a doll head on the back of her skull. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, I'm trying to see some connected oh, tissue <laughs> in the last two movies you wrote. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they immediately greenlit Megan 2.0, which is a sequel coming out 2025. Yeah, I was like, damn, that's a little ways yeah, off. Why but... not? It's not like Scream where it just came out back to back just like that. Um, but yeah, Megan, check it out. Um, there's only one other piece of news we're going to talk about. Wait, you still haven't seen no. Skin of Marine, right? It's supposed to be on, on right. Shutter pretty soon. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we do have. So it's like, hey, let's watch Last of Us because. <coughs> Bless me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, we said let's watch Last of Us because it's getting a lot of buzz. 
people are saying it's great. One of the best video game adaptations ever released, which is a low bar, but it seems like it's very respectfully handled. It's on HBO. Why not? And then Blaze's like, well, I haven't played, I haven't played The Last of Us. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to get you playing Last of Us. That's true. So we are going to talk about Last of Us. We're going to talk about another show that hit HBO Max. Oh, are we? <laughs> like, yeah, you go ahead and introduce that. So I have a lot of feelings. And a lot of people have a lot of feelings. And all pretty similar, though. <laughs> They're all pretty they similar wrong. feelings. Um, Velma came out. <laughs> it sure did. It show from Mindy Kaling. Or is it Mindy Kaling? Whatever. Anyway. Well, I'll, I'll admit, though, I was looking forward to it because I was like, you know, she's funny. And she wrote some great episodes of The Office, even though I'm not like a big fan of The Office. I know she's got good comedic timing and stuff, but this. Yeah, I mean, the cast. OK, so I mean, yeah, it's her. It's uh, Constance Wu as Daphne. It's Glenn Howerton. I, listen, yeah, if, you're, if your show makes Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny Philadelphia not funny, there's a fucking problem. <laughs> um, yeah, he wasn't funny uh, yeah. at all. And, and like, Shaggy, who they changed his name to Norbit? Norville. Norville. And here, here's a little fun fact for you. Norville is the actual legal name of Shaggy oh, in the really? series. Like... Oh. It is. They 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 don't put that anywhere, but they wrote him down as Norville oh. Shaggy. Huh. Um, but he's voiced by Sam Richardson, and I'm a big Sam Richardson fan. Um, also not a likable no, no, character. Um, Sam Richardson none of them is are. a funny guy. I mean, I, I love seeing him. him. Him and Tim Robinson had a show called Detroit before um, that was really, really funny. He starred in Werewolves Within, which is an awesome movie. Um uh, Hocus Pocus, Pocus, Pocus 2. Yeah, I love Sam Richardson. Um, yeah, he's great. I, I like the cast. Um, Constance Wu is a great actress. I like her in things like Hustlers, things like that. This show. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to sound like people are like, oh, well, you're just being a hater. Like, whatever. You don't like that. It's woke. It's not that it's, that it's woke. That's not the problem. It's that it's woke. It's it doesn't really have anything to say, but insists upon its own self-importance. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And it's, it's very much like this, like number one, you're tearing down pretty much everybody. It's kind of hateful. Show. Like the whole thing is and super hateful. It's a very hateful <laughs> show. And I mean, it's like, they go after fat people. They go after fucking like uh, hot people. They go after, you know, it's like, oh, like this woman's story sucked because it wasn't that good. It's like, wait, what? Like, whose side yeah, are you right. on here? Like, yeah, yeah. And the jokes just are, there's no right. point to them. Like, they don't have a setup. They don't have a punchline. It's just, hey, I'm going to say something that's, you know, uh, open-minded. And it's like, for what reason? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, first of all, okay. I mean, the most shining example of everything, like, like people that get mad about like, well, they changed the race of people. I, I, that's, I don't give a fuck about that. I don't care if they change the race of that's the characters. Not a, that's fine. The thing is that, A, why, why is it a Scooby-Doo show? Like, 
okay, I get that's a prequel, so Scooby Doo isn't even a character in it. But like, it has such little respect for the other characters and who they are or anything that there have been better satires and reimaginings of these characters that have already been done. Look at the fucking Scooby Doo movie that was written by James Gunn from the two thousand, from like two thousand two thousand one. Remember that, like the the live action film. Yeah, it was a satire, tongue yeah. in cheek. There's of course them very heavy handedly making fun of like all the different relationships between the characters, but still kept up with the energy of the original cartoon, right? And if you read James Gunn's original yep. script and what he originally wanted to do with it, it was way more uh, edgy, but still respectful to the characters. This I is just it it it's not no, those it characters. Like it, has characters. It, it hates it feels like it openly hates all the characters uh, of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, like, I mean, how do you take something like Velma Dinkley and make her she's unlikable? She's so unlikable. It's like, this is our main character. and like She's narcissistic. She makes fun of the dude who confessed her, her best friend, quote-unquote, who she makes fun of because he says he loves her. Like It's like, what the fuck? Like, you're just a mean person. Yeah, like, they, they're doing the same shit, and they did the same thing on Wednesday also. I don't know why this is a thing where it's like, okay, we're going to bring this franchise back, and we're going to reimagine it for a new generation, and we're going to get the main character uh, a clairvoyant superpower. <laughs> no idea why that is a It's consistent like, we're going to get the supernatural thing. power. They can see what murders happen and, you know, these things. It's just like, why is that such a trend now? But yeah, Velma just—it's not funny. The jokes are in poor taste. They aren't clever, and and the thing is, whenever you do satire, if you're making fun of something, you can't punch down, right? You can't punch down, right. and that's with a lot of comedy. If you punch down, it's not funny. And all this show has is mean spirited jokes that are just punching down. Like there's not saying anything. But they're trying to be so meta with everything that it's too much. <laughs> also, I don't care to see fucking Daphne's yeah. tits. Like, what is this? Like a furry yeah, porn? Like the, like, like the opening scene, like I, I felt don't... like it was supposed to be a reference to Carrie where they're all in the shower um, at the beginning of Carrie. But it's – but they're here having these like Kevin Williamson-esque talks. But like – it doesn't matter what they're saying. <laughs> like, like what they're trying to be meta about isn't like an interesting insight <laughs> or really deconstructing anything. They're just saying a lot of generalizations <laughs> about the genre. Yeah. It, and, it, it, and, and also just some of the things they do with like Fred's character and stuff. It's just like, what, what is, what is all this? Like what, <laughs> Like how they characterize everybody, making Shaggy such a sad, sad sack. What they do with Fred, how things are handled, how Velma acts, just everything. It's just such a bad show. <laughs> uh, it is like it, it ticks every box to what makes a show yeah, unwatchable. Absolutely. And, you know, at, and at first, like I did have like this little panic in my head watching and i'm like oh fuck am i out of touch like am i fucking wrong here and i went on and i started just looking for everybody like every kind of reviewer i could and everyone pretty much generally hates the show what, what did it like, beat out on imdb every 
It beat out fucking Dragon Ball Evolution, which is like the worst reviewed movie to be released, and this beat it out. Like, that tells you something, because if you have watched Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball, and you watch Dragon Ball Evolution, you're going to want to blow your fucking teeth out the back <laughs> of your head. Like... And this, it, and I love fucking Scooby-Doo. So I was really excited for this show, and I was excited because Mindy Kaling was doing it. And uh, it just doesn't work. Like, it really doesn't. Like, the, there is no, there's no character that is likable in this show. Like, they don't give you one person who you're like, oh, you know, I can relate to that, or he's fine, and he's funny, or she's funny, or she's nice, and she does this, or they, you know, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, there's not one likable oh, yeah. character. You, you have nobody to sympathize with, and that's a big problem. You need to have somebody that you can root for, but everybody is so shitty. <laughs> like, everybody. Everybody's awful. And if, if the plot is that her mom, she believes that her mom... So one of the, the running themes, I guess, throughout the season, I'm not going to watch it, but is that her mom disappeared. And she believes her mom was kidnapped or killed. But for a second there, they think their mom just like left. Their mom like ran off. And to be honest, I don't blame her because everybody's fucking awful. <laughs> her mom had yeah, I'd be like, I need to get the fuck out of this place. Like, I, it was just, dude, it was such a fucking letdown because I, I was like, yeah. And then when it was like, why is Scooby-Doo not in this show? And I'm like, call, I, like, I, and again, I wouldn't care if they're like, oh, it's going to be a fucking poodle and the poodle is a girl or is a transgender poodle. I, I don't know, but I don't care. It's fine. But to have a Scooby-Doo franchise and then claim that, yeah, Scooby-Doo, like the claim was, is that they thought a talking dog was too childish in five minutes into that show. It has two cockroaches, yeah. butt fucking like, I, I don't fucking get it. Like, where are you coming? Like, number one, that's not yeah. fucking funny. <laughs> like that. Yeah. I don't I, know. I completely agree. Uh, instead, I mean, I get where the uh, the argument where it's like it's a prequel, so they wouldn't have Scooby Doo yet. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, on a positive note, here's a recommendation. Instead, just go back and watch a pup named Scooby Doo. <laughs> That's a better prequel to Scooby Doo, <laughs> where they're all kids. Yeah, it it's is actually cute and fun. Or just go back and rewatch because I feel like most people have watched it. Huh? Scooby Doo, where are you? Scooby Doo, where Scooby-Doo are you? Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, also known as uh, Scooby Doo's answer to Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> Scooby Doo on Zombie Island is yeah, kind of. Awesome. That one's good. Uh, I I just remember the trailer for that, and this time the monsters are real. <laughs> it, like, takes, oh, it takes fuck. such a left like, turn because that movie is like, yeah, zombies and they're in new Orleans. They're in the bayou and there's voodoo and there's, they don't even wear one. They're like cat, a witch cat rock band of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wolves. fucking weird. It's <laughs> awesome. We're cats. Um, yeah, that movie's awesome. Um, it's, it's kind of scary also for Amber. Yeah. Yeah. For a oh, kid. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I would say that or uh, even though it's not a great show, it's got fucking Vincent Price in it and just watch the 13 Ghosts yeah. of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Watch anything else. What was the one? What was the one where they were Shaggy and Scooby were watching like uh, uh, it not an orphanage, like an all girls monster oh. school? You remember that they had yeah, the little mummy and the little werewolf? I remember watching the shit yeah, out I of that, that one. As a kid. But I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I can't either. I remember the characters yeah. vividly, but um, but yeah, watch anything yeah. that's not Velma. <laughs> Go look, look at a Val, wall yeah, for Val- thirty minutes instead. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm I'm amazed that it it like. I I thought it would be like publicly like nope canceled like already by now just the universal hatred. Look at Greenlit for a second season. They also say it's the biggest viewing for an animated show on HBO. But I mean, there's not a lot of competition for that. I don't know what other cartoon shows come out on HBO recently. I mean, of course, the people are going back and rewatching like. Todd McFarlane Spawn, but I can't think of another cartoon that came on HBO Max. So, like, yeah, of course we're going to have the most viewers for that. that, There's no competition, really. (laughs) I don't know. Well, well, it just kind of blows me away that they'd even greenlight a second season because nobody fucking likes it. Like, it's like, yeah, it got a lot of views, and now it's like, are people hate watching it? it? Yeah, because I I have like every time an episode comes out, it's like this one's worse than the last. This really? one's worse than the last. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! Like they have just like I forget this girl's name. Um, she was re- she was going through the episodes and like really dissecting them, and goddamn, she 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 tore them apart. Like and for good reason. Like she was showing the clip she was talking about, and it was like, "Oh my fucking god!" Like, why did they yeah. think this was funny? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's not so. good. It's um irresponsibly made, I feel, and just not great. Just watch any other Scooby Doo. You watch those. I mean, they're hit and miss. But I I liked I like the live action Scooby Doo films. You know, I, I think that they were satirical enough of the source material. Um. Watch those. Like, I mean, James Gunn wrote them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just so weird to take a bunch of like likable characters and turn them into absolute, like, just yeah. mean people. Yeah, it just like, doesn't feel necessary. And it doesn't feel like it needed to be done or made. It doesn't really have anything on its mind or to say anything. It's just it's just annoying because it feels like it feels they want you to think that it's it important. Feels like what saying. It's the one time I feel like I, I'm actually was transported into the mind of how a conservative views a liberal. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, it kind of does because, uh, you know, we're very not conservative people, but you watch it and it's like. Is this yeah, how they see well, people? Feels like, I feel like, like every caricature that conservatives think liberals are is like the beginning of this movie where it's just like 
just spouting a bunch of shit that's supposed to sound woke and you know like it has a standard but it's just all hollow bullshit that doesn't mean anything yeah there there's no like you gotta set it up yeah and there's so many easy ways mm-hmm. to set that up yeah like and they didn't they just, they just spout it out like there's no setup there's no reason there's no point it's just like whatever it is the ultimate case of whatever it's it is a fucking yeah, disappointing sure. show all right but yeah. so shall we go into our main topic we should and i'm not gonna play six movie trailers what, so what, what are we gonna, what are we gonna put it. instead what what can't uh, we just put? A fart? <laughs> I'll put a fart in for you. <laughs> that means fart time. <laughs> All right. Twenty twenty two was Hell of a year. Sure was. Don't let don't let the fart misguide you <laughs> to think of that. It was a shitty year for horror because it's actually a very good year for horror um, and genre films in general. Yeah, it really um, was. Right, right out the gate, like we mentioned earlier. I mean, Scream came out in January, and then after that, we were just getting great horror movies back to back. Things that broke box office, um, not records, but. Brought in a lot more money than they thought. I mean, Terrifier 2 was made for, what, like a million dollars, something like that. It made $13 million, yeah, something like that. Crazy. Um, and they just kept on expanding the the theatrical run. Smile, people didn't think that was going to be a big success. was a massive success. Yeah. Um, was number one in the box office for a few weeks there, which is super impressive. Um Scream came out in January, uh, and why we keep on why we keep emphasizing it came out in January is January is normally the dumping ground for studios where they're trying to have put put all the award contenders into theaters so they can you know get out to the audiences before the award season gets fully ramped up. So you just dump all your shitty movies in January. But we got Scream this past year, we got Megan this year. So horror has kind of found this kind of niche of being like, let's just release in January and make the fucking money that other people don't want to make. Uh, why, why will we release some fucking bullshit? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like our movies are getting nominated or getting nominated for awards. Anyways. I mean, hor- people don't give a fuck about horror when it comes to the, uh, the Academy awards and stuff like that. Unless it's something that can walk that line, like science of lambs. Yeah. But people, think that's not a horror movie, but it totally is. Yeah. That is a fucking <laughs> horror movie. You idiot. like, yeah, or or something like that where uh, uh, Black Swan, you know, something like that where it's just like, oh, it's a, it's a war darling, but they kind of ignore it being a uh, a horror film. It's like, it's a horror film. So we had a great year. We had a great year of a lot of, lot of good horror films coming out, a lot of good genre films and major releases. We we're talking about just shit that came out on Shudder no. or Hulu. We're talking about things that actually were... I mean, one of mine is actually. <laughs> What's that? One of my favorites was on Shudder, but... Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's fine. Uh, but I'm just saying that that it wasn't just Shudder having like a lot of good stuff. It was actual big releases. Right. All throughout the year. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, 
What should we start with first? Let's get the movies out of the way. Our our top three top favorite three. horror movies. Yeah. All right. Let me write mine down real quick because I didn't do it before. Man, for once in our lives, I am more prepared than you. <laughs> you are. You are. I've been. I've been. I'm fucking up, man. Um, You're a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't prep. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm fucking up, man. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I used to be a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Is there anything else I want to throw on here? Uh, all right. You want to start? Sure. Uh, do we want to go like from uh, like three to one or one to three? Three to one. Three to one. Yeah. Well, so so we decided to do our um, top three favorite horror movies um, that we love. Um, and then uh, I think that's what we did last year. I think we had top three. I think we agreed on our favorite horror movie of last year. Um, but I know that my number one, I don't think you've seen yet. So I know that we aren't going to have, have agreements on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling my number one is close to your number one. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Cause I think I know what your number one is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Which means yeah, I know uh, what we're going to have our three top three favorite horror movies of the year that came out. And, um, yeah, so uh, start uh, start with your number three. Uh, Moloch, actually. No, I, I just passed by Moloch also, and I was just like, that was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed Moloch. I thought it was a, a fun, interesting story. I thought it was cool how it went into like this, you know, occult slash uh, bog folklore, which you, you know, there's been a few like really good uh, movies about like the the bogs in the UK and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one vampire movie. I wish I could remember the fucking name of it because it was so good. And, but that wasn't this year, but this year it was also another bog movie with Moloch and uh, it is a shutter original, but damn, like I thought it was just a really cool, uh, fun and, uh, Kept you on your toes too. Like it had really good pacing. I feel so. Uh, yeah, some really creepy injury, uh, imagery as well. Oh yeah. So yeah, but I would say number three for my year would be Moloch. I just really, really appreciated the work and the time that went into that movie. Sure. So yeah, that's a good choice. Your number three. Um. So my number three. Um. I'm kind of split between two. But you know what? I'm going to do a Shutter film also. Um, just because I had so much fun with it. And I kind of loved the energy of it. Um, I thought it was really creative. And it's it got me excited for these filmmakers and seeing what they're, they're going to do next. And that's Deadstream. Deadstream's great. Yeah. I like Deadstream a lot. Um, it's super low budget. Um, some people found the main character annoying. A little um, annoyed. But I think that was the character. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, he's a YouTuber. All YouTubers are annoying. Yeah, he's he's, he's a um, Max Miller in taste in history. He is a saint. <laughs> okay, <God. laughs> he's pretty good. You you introduced me to him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, 
it's a fun film. And it's, and it's a genre that I've said before I'm not a fan of, which is uh, – excuse me which is found footage. It's my least favorite subgenre of horror, but there is a kind of energy and creativity that goes back to feeling like the early films of Sam Raimi or Peter Jackson um, that just has this pace that keeps on going. It doesn't feel like every time something scary is going to happen, the camera just kind of shakes and you can't really see what the fuck is going on. And just like, Oh my God, you guys take like the cheapest way out of like actually exhibiting what we're supposed supposed to see you know yeah um I was, it's always my problem with with um found footage horror films but this one has a really good sense of humor and energy and violence um and goofiness that's really good and i think that the second punch of it was whenever they did perhaps the only good segment in the new vhs <laughs> as well um, which is the last segment of the the new vhs vhs 99 um but Deadstream is fun. I like it a lot. Um, there's a couple bigger movies I was going to put in the spot, but I, I just chose not to. Um, we'll, we'll have we'll talk about some other horror films we really enjoyed that did make the top three. But um, yeah, Deadstream is great. I'm interested in seeing what the winners do next, um, and I hope it's just as fun as this and that segment in VHS 99. Yeah, yeah, it is a really fun movie. Yeah. What's your number two? Barbarian. I figured that was going to be your number two. I know what your number one is. I, I already know what your number yeah, one you is. Yeah, you know what it is, and I know what yours is. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Barbarian, goddamn, man. Like, what a movie to go into that really gives you nothing, and then you're just like, I don't know what this is about, and then it is completely not what you would imagine. And for, a, a, like... I, I think his second major film that it was the guy from Whitest Kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I mean, his first film is technically, technically he directed uh, Zach Kreger from Whitest Kids, you know. Um, he's he co-directed yeah. Miss March, um, which I think there's funny parts in that movie, but just a really overbloated Whitest Kids, you know, um, skit. But yeah, Barbarian is a complete. Like he basically pulled the Jordan Pill, right? Because Jordan Pill, they're like, well, maybe his first movie he made was Keanu, but I think he only wrote that he didn't direct it. And then he went and did Get Out, you know, where you have this comedy voice that comes and makes a horror movie and it kind of takes the world by storm or takes you by surprise about how good it is. But continue. Yeah. And it's kind of the same with Barbarian, where it was just like, you know, when you go, like, when I heard about Get Out, I was like, Jordan Peele like it was more of like a curiosity because I think he's fucking hilarious and I've loved him since like mad TV yeah same here and um and then I watched it I was like holy shit like this guy fucking knows how to direct a movie like and I, I I don't think anything has captured me as much as that movie by him but um I will say that uh, with Barbarian, it was another one of those instances where I'm like, well, how good can this be now that I know who the director is? And then it's a holy fucking shit. I was totally fucking wrong. Like, mm-hmm. It's amazing. Like, it is just. And I also didn't even know uh, Richard Brake is in the movie, 
which is always fucking good and shit unless it's monsters which isn't his fault Uh, yeah but he's good in that he is good in that that's the only good part about the fucking movie um well that and grandpa um grandpa's pretty good but i don't know man barbarian hits different it like that was the tagline for the the wwe 2k22 video game was it hits different that should have been the tagline <laughs> for barbarian <laughs> yeah um uh, yeah yeah absolutely i barbarian i loved um it didn't make my top three but of course i really really liked it um zach Kreger definitely has this um there's a hunger to him that you see in some directors that feel like that they're they need to prove themselves on their first like major feature um, cause he tries so many different things. I mean, there's shot, all kinds of different shots and lighting and weird ways of moving the camera where there's a lot of steady cam, but there's also a lot of, you know, handheld camera work as well as like a POV shot at one point. That's, uh, pretty intense along with the f- spoilers. There's a flashback sequence. Um, that's all like fisheye. It's like a fisheye yeah. lens. It's like really weird looking. The coloring is completely different. He's trying so many things. And, and for the most part, I think most of them land um, without being distracting. Um, Barbarian is fun. It's a good movie. Um, it's twisty. It's turny. I, I was a little like when people were like, don't tell anybody anything about this movie. Like, don't spoil anything because it's such a surprise. I really wasn't like – I love that there was a respect not spoiling it. But also I didn't think it went too left field to where it was too much of being like, whoa, that was such a crazy fucking twist. But still, it, there are twists and turns. That's good. Yeah, that there's stuff you don't want to get, get rid of. And I think just like we were talking about with Ari Aster earlier, it's a smart idea to mislead people with a trailer. Yeah, the marketing feels – was was really good about it because it really doesn't show a whole lot. Um, I think some of the worst spoilers that came from it while they were marketing it was having Justin Long show up on talk shows. Yeah, probably. I don't think they should have had him doing the press. I think they should have just had um, Skarsgård and um, I can't remember the actress's name and she's fantastic in it. She was really uh, good in that. Uh, Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård should have done all and, and Zach Kruger should have done all the promotional. They shouldn't even have Justin Long make appearances on fucking shows. Um, I think that was a spoiler in and of itself. But uh, Barbarian is great. Um, it was a big surprise. I didn't know how it was going to turn out when I first saw the previews. I was sort of interested, but I was vastly surprised by it. Yeah. All right. You're number two. Um, my number two is the black phone. Really? I mean, yeah. I I enjoyed the Black Phone a lot. I just I, it didn't make it in my top three. I love the Black Phone. Um, Black Phone, I think, is super tight. Um, it is. A tight film. Like, it'll be like it's it's tight. Oh I mean, yeah, it's, it's a tight film. It's well structured. Yeah, you can slip it right into that film. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's thick. <laughs> it just reminds me of uh, of uh, this pitch meeting. YouTube videos where it's like, oh, oh yeah. black phone is tight. <laughs> um, tight. Yeah, no, it's uh black phone is, is based on a Joe Hill story. Um, and it definitely flexes all the Stephen King muscles. <laughs> you can definitely see the influence of Stephen King. Oh yeah. Joe Hill story as well. Even though if you read the black phone short story um, is, is very different, not very different, but there's a lot of different things that happen 
from the movie to the short story because short story is only like 15 pages. It's very short. Um, so, of course, they had to make a bigger movie. And Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill made a script of different things that they were afraid of growing up in the 70s and things that were happening around that time. Um, it's great seeing Ethan Hawke as this villain character. I think that <clears throat> for a movie, that's basically – three locations <laughs> like most yeah. of it you're stuck in just this basement of this home um and kind of seeing how this kid's going to escape i thought it was really well done i love um i love how clever the script is i like how it's how everything is structured i also really dig um just how they use the ghosts in it um uh, and how all that's kind of being uh how all that kind of affects the rest of the story, how, how they're showing them. Um, I love that Tom Savini made the masks. <laughs> Tom Savini came out of retirement to make the uh, masks for the, for the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really, really liked it. Um, you know, Scott Derrickson is somebody that can be hit or miss. I, I'm really happy this is his return to horror after doing Dr. Strange because I, I know we both like Sinister. Yeah. And I like that he kind of made this comeback in doing this. And I think that him and uh, Robert Cargill are a great team. And I just really, really liked Black Phone. I don't know. It's one of the ones that just kind of stuck with me more than some other horror movies that I really liked. But just I kind of forgot that they came out. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're going to (laughs) say. Is it a one letter? Yeah. <laughs> it's X. <laughs> yeah, mine, uh, mine is Pearl, so we can talk. Yep, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, yeah, your favorite horror movie is X. I figure it's going to be X, but you haven't watched Pearl yet, right? No, I still haven't because um, we're supposed to watch it with that couple we met. Oh, yeah. How's that going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just watch it. Uh, that's yeah, kind of where I'm at. Like. <laughs> Well, let's let's start with X, um, and just for anybody, I mean, people know these are the new movies from Ty West. Uh, Ty West. I mean, I've, I mean, I've started with Ty West on House of the Devil, and I loved House of the Devil, and I loved the Innkeepers, even though it got kind of polarizing reviews. I like the Innkeepers. Yeah, a lot of people shit on it though. I think it's a good movie. And, it's a hangout uh, film, huh? It's a hangout film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he came out with X, uh, what was it, May or March? I think it came out March or April. Yeah, it came out early in the year. Yeah. And I just remember being so fucking captivated by that movie. Um, I thought it was so goddamn well done. The music choices, the acting. Like, it, it was... The taking of Deborah Logan meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that that was something in my life I didn't know I needed. Like, sure, sure. And um, so, uh, out of all the movies that I've watched out of the year, that is the one that stuck with me the most. Yeah, X is good. I mean, X. Um, first of all, Ty West. Yeah, I mean, House of the Devil was the first thing I saw with Ty West. He, he made a few movies before that, um, including having the segment in the first VHS. Um, as well as acting, um, you know, you had the little cabal of people that were always working together. That was Ty West, Adam Wingard, Simon Barrett. Um, yeah. 
the whole group. So, so we acted in, um, Ty West was act, uh, acting in, um, you're next. He's in your next. Um, and you know, the other ones that appear as actors in each other's films and stuff like that. But I really didn't realize who he was until watching house of the devil. He directed a few movies before that, which I think is great. Um, I also really dig the innkeepers. I think the innkeepers is good. I think it's just kind of laid back hangout movie. It's not that scary really until it kind of gets near the end, but I really like Pat Healy a lot. And speaking of which, um, the main actress in the innkeepers, that's Zach Craig's wife. So, Mm. (laughs) um, Sarah Paxton. Uh, so a little, little connection between, uh, barbarian and, uh, X Ty West. So, um, and uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of the sacrament. No, that wasn't my favorite either. Sacrament's a bit messy, and I really didn't like in the belly, uh, belly of violence with Ethan Hawke and John Travolta, which is kind of like him trying to do a spaghetti western, but it's really fucking bad. I didn't um, watch it. got good reviews, but I don't like it. I think it sucks. Um, so it's kind of good to see him come back to the horror genre and do something like X that A24 put out um, that wasn't quote unquote elevated horror or anything like that that it's just a straight up kind of sleazy horror film where he's trying to show this connective tissue between pornography and horror where back in the day that was about as independent you could get you know as polarizing to critics you know as it could get Um, and kind of showing the similarities between these two and making this amalgamation um, I don't know if the statement always like is that like I don't know if he makes a huge case with the movie of being like you know having an actual statement about it, but we do get a really fun horror movie. Um, I think that Brittany Snow has some really great moments in there as the lead actress in the porno, um, and then kind of comparing to. <clears throat> Uh, what it means to be a porn actor and all this. Kid Cuddy's very good in it. <laughs> yeah, he is. Kid Cuddy's very good in it. He's been popping up a lot of movies recently, and I, I think that's awesome. Um, Jen Ortega again. I, I Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely is that energy. And there's also this statement of, of, you know, sexuality and getting older and mortality and all this stuff, where some of it hits, some of it doesn't, but it's still such a fun uh, movie that... Um, that I can't really hold it at fault. But why I chose Pearl as my favorite is that Pearl does something that a prequel sequel should, and that's elevate the movie that's connecting to. And I think Pearl being a prequel to X actually makes X better. Um, learning the backstory of the titular Pearl, who was one of the um, antagonists of X, and learning like what her thing was, what where did she come from? What's her story? Um, it's also a pandemic film um, because it takes place during the pandemic of um, was it the nineteen twenties? Um, yeah. So uh, it, it 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 feels like it has a little similar tissue to what's going on now. Um, Pearl is beautifully made. It's people usually compare it to Wizard of Oz. Uh, horror film uh, version of Wizard of Oz, which I mean, really, Wizard of Oz is already a horror film, so I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> In some ways, it is, especially Return to Oz. But um, it's uh, uh, it's Technicolor, it's big, it's bold. I think that it has some of the most impressive things that come from Ty West. Um, I think that Mia Goth 
is incredible in it. There's one part that people keep on talking about, and rightfully so, where there's this incredible monologue near the end of the movie that Mia Goth has as a one-shot monologue. And it's so fucking good. It's so good, Blaze. Um, I'm excited for you to watch it. Um, and I think that everything, and learning about this character, and then you start seeing kind of things make more sense in X that um, felt a little... Felt a little like, well, why, why is that a thing or this or what, whatever. But just learning about her character and and just the atmosphere and, and how everything is portrayed and this feelings of tension. Because it's not like um, X, where X is a lot more of a slashery kind of sleaze fest. It is way more of a character piece. But when the violence happens in Pearl, since it's so much more sparse, it has a real impact. And you're just waiting for this other shoe to drop the whole time. There's so much tension in it. Um yeah, I, I loved X also. I love Pearl. Um, I think it's awesome that he basically secretly shot a trilogy. <laughs> like people didn't even know that Pearl was a thing, and he tagged it as the uh, the teaser trailer as the after credits thing onto X. It's like, oh yeah, I shot another movie at the same time while we were in New Zealand, um, and now we're going to get the third part of the trilogy this year, right? Yeah, like sure. Maxine is coming out this year. Yep. Um. Which, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan that's in the 80s. I mean, it makes sense since X was set in the 70s to have it close to it. But like we talked about before, I'm just so fucking tired of 80s nostalgia. But I'm interested in seeing where the character Maxine from X ended up yeah. after all. Yeah. And how they're going to incorporate horror because now we're getting... Yeah, away. the thing that you had is gone. Yeah, like- well, what both movies were based off of isn't a thing anymore going to where Maxine's going to end up in Hollywood. So is it going to be a reflection of Pearl's story or what? Because Mia Goth played Maxine and Pearl. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I loved it. Uh, but yeah, Pearl is my number one uh, favorite horror film of the year. All right. That's the top threes. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, you have any honorable mentions? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Menu. I thought the menu was such a fun and clever movie. The menu's great. Yeah, really yeah. enjoyed the menu. Yeah, menu's awesome. It's just another one of those. There's a lot of um a lot of big eat the rich properties that came out. Um, well, yeah, I think that might be a, a big reason why I love it. But well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean it's been a big theme between the menu and glass onion and the new season. Well, I mean, and the first season of White Lotus. It's been a big thing of like, are the rich bad? What what is the relationship between the rich and the working class? And let's dissect it, you know. Um, and I think that they are, like, are really good satires. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I thought the menu was a really great film. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one. There was another honorable mention I had. And now I'm blanking. Motherfucker, you go ahead. I'm gonna see if I can find that other honorable mention. Um, okay, so I'm flipping through my letterboxed. Um I mean Shudder had a lot of really good ones. Um I was a big fan of a wounded fawn, a wounded fawn, which we talked about recent ask. That's a new movie from Travis Stevens, who did Jacob's Wife and uh, Girl on the Third Floor. S- movie stars Josh Rubin. Um it's a nice little seventies throwback. Uh, I liked it. A lot of giallo fills. 
Um, I liked Men. I thought Men was pretty good. I still um, haven't seen Men. I want to. Yeah, I did the last 10, 15 minutes of his complete nightmare fuel. Um, but I like Alex Garland. I don't think it's as good as Ex Machina or Annihilation, but I really liked it. Let's see. Um, when we were mentioning him before, I was gonna. I almost put this as my number three because the more I think about, it, the more I like it. But I didn't, um, and that's Nope. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have you watched Nope yet? No. Uh, it's on Peacock. Yeah, I saw it. I, I'm gonna watch it. Okay. Yeah. I like Nope. Um, I, I think I think it's way more focused than us, and I think that there's a lot of really cool visual things. There's a really horrific moment. There's a couple of really horrific moments in the movie that there's one that builds a lot of fucking tension. And then there's another thing that that's just a bit of nightmare fuel that I think is a very effective, um, a very effective horror scene, especially once your mind kind of figures out how horrendous this thing that's happening is. Um, Terrifier two. I enjoyed Terrifier two. Yeah. That was another one I was going to mention. Yeah, Terrifier Two is fun. Um, it's a little overbloated, sure, um, but it's it's good. Like, I mean, it's it's super violent. It's goofy. It's fun. Um, I feel like the the ending fumbles a bit. I feel like there's so much more they could have done with the last thirty minutes of the movie, but still, it's it's a really good one. Let's see what else. Um, uh, what you got? The other one I was gonna say was um, the sadness. Oh, you finally watched The Sadness. I did. Yeah. How'd you like it? I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Um, fucking it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was, I think I had one more. I, I know everyone's talking about Glorious again, but I haven't watched yeah, it just yet. Yeah, I, I like Glorious. It, it didn't make my runners up, but I really like Glorious. Uh, Scream. I liked, I liked Scream. <laughs> I liked, we I liked a Scream. smile in there. Which one? Smile, yeah. So I watched Smile. It's good. Um, I I don't. I mean, the last part of it is probably the only part I don't really care for. Mm. When it turns into um, a monster movie, kinda. Yeah, it's like, man, I kind of liked it when you didn't really see what it was. Gotcha. Um, um, I like Watcher. Yeah. Watcher is really good. Um, that's a nice little Hitchcockian thriller. It's on Shutter now. I also really liked um, one that came out recently that I thought was actually pretty fucking fun is uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. Christmas Bloody Christmas from Joe Bagos is a really fun hangout film turned into a Terminator film (laughs) Uh, Christmas movie. Uh, And it's really fun and it's throwback and uh, I don't know. You kind of watch it, then you want to go to your records, local record store, and buy a, buy a whole bunch of punk and metal records. Without that's all I can say. And whenever you watch it, it kind of makes sense. And then drink a whole bunch of Jameson. <laughs> uh, when you watch the movie, that'll make more sense. But yeah, I thought that Christmas Blade Christmas was very fun. So, um, all right, yeah. Oh, also, Pray. Still haven't watched it. Pray. Um, best Predator movie since Predator. It's good. Uh, I think I think those are all the ones that I wanted to mention. Yeah, I think we can move on now. All right. Let's see. We got which topic should we take next? We'll do the shows. 
Okay, so what is your favorite horror show of 2022? I was kind of caught in between two, like I was telling you earlier, but I'm going to go with the easy answer, which is Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, I think Guillermo del Toro picked some really great directors to make some really good episodes on that show. Sure. Uh, But one I think was underrated that I really enjoyed was Archive 81. Uh, Very strange, like twisty mental health kind of show. Um, Weird demonic things happening in this basement while a man's editing old, old, old tapes. Um, so it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I thought archive 81 had a really cool like idea to it. And, um, I hope there's going to be more of it. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say cabinet of curiosities though. Just like, on the whole was probably the most entertaining me. And I did, I didn't start the second season of Chucky. So I couldn't throw that in there. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love the second season of Chucky. Um, I was tempted to choose it. It's just such a good show. Like, I mean, and I, I think it is cause it's shepherd by, by Don Mancini and that he's making this, this series. Um, it wrote all the movies that this whole series has been shepherded by the same guy. I mean, he wrote all the movies. He directed a few of the later on films and now he's show running and writing the show. So it just has this constant, um, continuity. I don't know if that's an oxymoron, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that's basically saying the same thing, constant continuity, whatever. Um, it has just this flow to everything where the continuity is so tight because it is all from the same person. I mean, the only one that wasn't written by him was the remake. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, Guillermo del Toro's cabinet of curiosities is amazing. Um, but instead, since you chose that, I'll, I'll choose midnight club. Um, I, I, I'm going to blow Mike Flanagan as I normally do. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is as good as midnight mass? No. Is as good as haunting of Hill house? No. Um, but I think it got kind of underrated. I think that people kind of, I don't know, it felt like people really weren't talking about it at all, but I think it has this emotional impact that most of the shows do have. Um, it's smartly written and it's, it has fully fleshed out characters and some really great acting. Also, Heather Langenkamp is in it, um, which is a pretty awesome ad, having her, um, you know, of course, a nod to, to the Nightmare on Elm Street films. But there's also definitely a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 influence on Midnight Club since it does take place in a rehabilitation – or not rehabilitation center. Well, I guess a rehabilitation center. Um, a uh, – not sick home. What do you call it? Where all the kids have like different elements, um, like hospice. Okay. It's like a hospice. Um, hospice, Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's definitely kind of like the, the psychiatric hospital for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. And now the Heather Lincoln camp, you know, was Nancy, came back as Nancy for that one. And now she is the um, kind of the headmaster of the hospice there, kind of the, um, you know, the main doctor there. Um, it's a nice little throwback to that. But, yeah, it's Mike Flanagan doing Mike Flanagan shit. Um, it just didn't get the reception that his other shows got. Um, as far as viewership, so Netflix, of course, it was supposed to be his first series that was going to be a continuous series, unlike Midnight Mass and the and the haunting shows where they're just one season, one and done. This is the first one where he's like, oh, I'm going to make multiple seasons for this. And they're like, like hell you are. 
<laughs> they canceled it. Well, you know, Netflix has been having a, a lot of weird shit going on. And they were even talking about how, um, like, even if something's doing good, for some reason, Netflix is canceling it. And there's some weird business thing behind that. That's- well, you know, it's, it's something that we mentioned a handful of episodes ago. And um, I've been meaning to uh, uh, kind of go into a little bit more. Um, whenever I said that Shutter was in trouble because of AMC, um, AMC was having a big like mix up there and it affected Shutter, where they had to lay off a whole lot of people. It's not just an AMC and Shutter thing; it's an all streaming services thing. Um, streaming services are trying to figure out kind of what the math is between viewership and how they're making money and what they're allowed to put out and how much that's going to hurt their budget and how if, if it's making money back for them and kind of just trying to figure out this middle ground of, oh, well, have we hired too many people? Um, are we actually making money off of these things? We're going to have cutbacks and just trying to figure out this formula because, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, streaming is still – Young, you know, it's still a young idea, um, especially with movie theaters not being as big as they were. So um, I think that Netflix is just doing the same thing where they're having cuts. They're they're like, well, we can't just give every movie we want to put out $50 million to go and just make it or $100 million. We can't do what we did with the Irishman, you know, right. or anything like that. Um, so uh, I don't know, man. I, I think that... Um, Mike Flanagan, of course, he's not going to be at Netflix much longer. They said his next projects are going to Amazon, be at yeah. Amazon, except for um, his adaptation of uh, Fall of the House of Usher, which will be on Netflix. It's going to be, from what he said, his giallo influence take on Edgar Allan Poe story. So I am excited for that. But yeah, he's going to Amazon. I mean, you know, so I don't know if them canceling the show was just because they knew he was leaving or what, um, or if he's going to take that show over there. But Midnight Club is, is good. I, I really liked it. And I don't think he got enough attention. So that's fair. Yeah. Let's see here. What else we got? Okay. How about your favorite horror clothing brand? I'm going to go with Paul Bear Press this year. How are you? I've been enjoying the stuff they've been coming out with. I got their uh, Don't Go in the House uh, tie-dye shirt. Oh, did you? And I like the tie-dye. I like tie-dye. I, I, I don't know. tie-dye looks shitty. <laughs> I can't lie. I, I like it. But um, um, I don't know. Like They, they always have a, a habit of um, doing a little lesser or harder to find movies. Um Oh yeah, it's all like exploitation so, films and exactly like you know it's like I love cavity colors and everything like that, but it's like yeah, you know, it's like uh, I don't really want a shirt of I know what you did last summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I don't know who would put up. I think Fright Rags had a better year this year than the previous year. Yeah, last year. So. Uh, but I'm going to go with cavity colors again i think i chose them last year also i think cavity colors is just you did has fun designs i think that uh, i'm more excited about their stuff that they're putting out than fright rags or paul bear press and i just don't think paul bear press is, is consistent enough um but i've also been buying a lot of stuff from gutter garbs oh yeah gutter garbs buy a shit ton from them gutter garbs has 
really been, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed their stuff. Um, but I'm going to say Calvi Colors. I just think they're the most consistent. Um, even though I've been buying as much clothing recently, um, I like I like the releases. I mean, they're putting out Bubba Hotep clothes, so fuck them. <laughs> so fuck Fright Rags. But until you put Bubba Hotep clothes on, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, I do want the Bubba Hotep stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about your favorite horror kill? What was your favorite kill in a horror movie this year? I won't lie. I know it's a cheesy and dumb answer, but it is that long, dragged out kill in Terrifier 2. <laughs> like, I just fucking loved it so much when it was like, man, you've been like stabbing this girl for like 28 minutes. And then it's like, oh, he's coming. He's back. He's back. <laughs> he's got salt. Like, like, it's something about like just realizing like how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Um, that was probably my favorite. To be honest, um, my favorite is when Brittany Snow. What spoilers? When Brittany Snow gets killed in X, <laughs> I love that Gator kill. <laughs> that is a great one. <laughs> I love the Gator kill in it. Um, but I also love the kill in X whenever um the sound guy gets killed in front of the headlights. I just like visually how that all looks. Yeah, don't fear the reaper and shit. The blood is covering the headlights and changes the color. Um, it's a very giallo kind of uh, yeah death um death scene. But yeah, I think I think the gator kill in uh, X is definitely definitely my favorite one. Um, I don't know if there's any other ones. Uh, I mean, there's another kill that happens. In, there's a kill that happens in Nope that I think is pretty horrific. But I'm not going to go in detail since you haven't haven't seen it. Um, but that's up there also. All right. How about your favorite? I don't have I don't have an answer for this because I've literally played nothing really this year. Right. Um, what is your favorite horror video game of 2022? Has to be a game that got released in 2022. Yeah. Well, sir, this one may come as a shock to you because I've never talked about it on the show. Oh boy. And that's because it is so fucking good. <laughs> And that is the thirstiest time of the year. No. Gobby <laughs> <laughs> McGobble nuts for a second. <laughs> no, uh, it is the game Madison. Okay. That game has everything you could want in a horror game. Madison number one is available on consoles. You can you can play Madison. Okay. Rocky, you can play it and you should because it's fucking terrifying. It is 10 out of 10 pages. <laughs> um, you play as a young boy. You don't know what's going on. You wake up in your room. Your dad is trying to break into the room and he's screaming like, what have you done? How could you have done this to our family? Blah, 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 blah. You're trying to escape. The house is just rotating and all these different stories and puzzles. And oh, my God, it's fucking terrifying. And it is labeled as like probably the scariest game ever made. Damn. Yeah. Madison, man, like amazing story, amazing graphics, hard puzzles, scary as fuck. Like it's everything you can want in a horror game really is. And uh, so... 
it was either between that or Martha is dead. Uh, Martha. But I didn't. Martha. Your Martha is dead too. <laughs> um, but no. So 100% that award goes to Bladed Apple's 2022 video game award. Madison, I'm sure that means absolutely nothing to you. <laughs> it gets it gets the pagey. It gets the pagey awards. It gets the, pa- it gets the pagey for 2022. <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah. That's what we call it. That'll get the pagey. And, uh, <laughs> it'll be a picture of Paige not really paying attention to give me a side thumbs up because she doesn't really want to listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Does that happen a lot? Every day. <laughs> I was telling her about Julian Sands yesterday. She's like, Blaze, you know, I don't know who that is. And, you know, I don't give a fuck. And I'm like, <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> Paige, check out this new guitar. Uh, never mind. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, the only game I was going to play before this, just so I could choose one, was going to be Evil Dead. But so I haven't played it. <laughs> yeah, same here. Um no, dude. It, honestly, if you have a choice, like I know Evil Dead's supposed to be fun and everything, but you need to get Madison. Okay. Jesus fucking Christ. That game is fucking terrifying. Yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah. All right. What else? Is there any other categories that we can do? I, I think that was. Those are the ones that we agreed on, but is there any other things you want to say about horror in 2022? Um,. I'm trying to think. Got a favorite like horror theme? I was going to say best Shudder original, but we already picked our favorite Shudder movies. Yeah. So. Is your favorite? Uh, I don't know. I can't say. Also, I mean, if it was a Midnight Club, but I think it'd be cheating. I would have just chosen Last Drive-In. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. cheating. <laughs> that's my favorite show. Um, <laughs> when's the new season coming out? Huh? When's the new season starting? Uh, I don't know. Um, probably in May or June. Um, I, I don't know if there's going to be a Valentine special, though, coming out in a couple of weeks. They haven't announced it yet. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about that. Know, no. I'm, I'm worried that the shakeup of Shutter is giving them a little bit of pause on, on production. I don't know. Oh, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. That would be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, let's see. No, I think that's about it, man. No, I think that's all. Um, I mean, that this is a a longer than usual episode. So. Well, you know, we could do a horror book or favorite horror album or anything. I don't fucking but read. I, I, I didn't read enough new releases to justify choosing uh, a new new book. Um, I would just say like fairy tale or something like that. And that's not really like horror horror. It's just the new Stephen King book. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the Clark yeah. Barker book, the the stuff about um about all his creations, everything like that, about Hellraiser and all that. That was very good. Um, but yeah, not not enough to choose a favorite of the year. I know that people really liked Clown in a Cornfield too. I heard it was very popular. People really loved that. Um, I just read the first one recently, so I, I can't talk about the second one. But I know people really like it, <clears throat> and um. I don't know. It's uh, and with albums, I don't know. And I haven't listened enough to soundtrack releases to be like, this is the favorite. This is the best soundtrack. 
This is the best movie yeah, of horror can... this year. So, no, we uh, we're bare bones in it, but that's fine. Like, I think we had enough to talk about. Yeah, I think you got enough content. Yeah, you want your fucking content? Yeah, Here it exactly. is. Exactly. Piece of shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have another segment? No, that that was the video. Oh, you game was Madison. Yeah, that was what you're going to talk about, cabinet. Okay. Yep. Well, so. that is the episode then. Yes, sir. <laughs> that is the year 2022 wrap up. <laughs> that is the episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. It feels weird only having one break. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> that one break is going to be for a two second part. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find a wet one, like a juicy one. And then the end of the episode just needs to be a really long fart. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Um, yeah, so that's 2022. Holy shit. The dogs are freaking out. Okay, we're sorry. It won't be that long of a fart. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That was weird. Somebody just bashed it in my door and scared the shit out oh. of me. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's uh, the scared wrap up. Nina, we're done. It's okay. But next episode, I don't know what we're talking about. Do we know what, what we're going to do next? Shut the fuck up! I think mean, people are telling us to do every episode. Um, let's do a poll. We haven't done a poll in a while. And the last time we did a poll, we didn't follow it. We did eventually. <laughs> Well, kind of. <laughs> we we uh, reverse the order, but yeah. So, but yeah, we'll do that. Uh, we'll do a poll. Okay. Yeah, we'll do a poll of our two favorite, uh, not two favorite movies. We'll do two movies that we were interested in talking about and doing a poll on them so you guys can choose because we don't know what the fuck we want to do. Uh, thanks to Stefan Myers for doing our artwork. Uh, you can follow him at. On Instagram as Stefan Mize, M-E-I-S-S-E, or at Crawling Panther Tattoo. That's a tattoo parlor that he tattoos out of in Oak, California. Awesome guy. Check him out. Thanks to Blaze for uh, putting the episode together. If you want to reach us in the meantime with a recommendation of what you would like to hear, you can email us at bladedapplespod at gmail.com or on Instagram at bladedapplespodcast. How long has it been since you checked the Gmail? Don't worry about that. Blade Apple Podcast. <laughs> I don't think I've ever looked at it. It, it could have like two letters in it. Who knows? <laughs> it might have a letter. <laughs> Maybe you should check that. Um, yeah. Blade Apple's podcast as well on Instagram. That's what we check the most. Are you checking it? <laughs> the Yeah. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm trying to. Uh. Yeah, other than that, I think that is all. Yeah, that's it. Anything to add? See you later, fuckers. 2023. And remember, every day is Halloween, so please act accordingly. In 2023. 2023.